0: Hey guys, it's Ananya and welcome back to the Desi Reality. Today, I have a very, very special guest with us today. She's a Pakistani-American pharmacist turned creator, writer, and entrepreneur. She's the founder of Dose of Travel Club, encouraging diversity in travel and organizing trips with Desi people in mind. Please welcome Dr. Nabila Ismail to the podcast.
1: Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you about everything I've been up to.
0: I'm super excited as well. So let's jump right into the questions. The first question we always have on this podcast is all about mental health because everyone has their own experiences being South Asian and their own journeys. So how has being from a South Asian descent affected your experiences and perspective on mental health?
1: It's a great question. I feel like um, there's so much I could say and unpack on that one. Um, I think for me, it's been a little bit of a tough journey being like a first gen but also the eldest daughter so I have always had a little bit of pressure on me to kind of go to a certain um path like when it comes to education and career so hence the pharmacist by training aspect which feels like a huge like pivot from what I'm currently doing now because um being a creator and essentially being unemployed um is how my parents view me um it's It's definitely made me, I think, risk averse um, having growing up with like that mindset. So I think I've always wanted to travel the world and kind of do something for myself. But the way that I was like, our community and like that thought process has definitely made me more hesitant to make these kinds of decisions. So when I finally pulled the trigger, I feel like it was a huge weight off my shoulders. But it came with a lot of just like, ruminating and going back and forth because I didn't really have the support from my parents so therefore like it kind of felt like my first time kind of making that big decision Mm -hmm. and I was the one who had to live with it so I feel like my mental health is definitely like um you know waxed and waned where I've feel so much happier than I did was a pharmacist during COVID. Mm -hmm. But in the beginning, I definitely didn't have like the support and didn't know if this was the quote unquote right decision. But ultimately, um, you are in charge of your own life. And I feel like your parents come around and I feel like we're in a really good place right now.
0: Yeah, I definitely understand where you're coming from, especially because I'm also an older eldest daughter. So it's almost like the pressure to make the right decision can often cause a lot of guilt to be created. And you're just like, feeling you're almost feeling like you're betraying your parents just to follow what you love and what you care about so I definitely understand where you're coming from there and I think a lot of people will relate to that
1: yeah exactly yeah I definitely feel like there is a lot of guilt um and that unfortunately doesn't always go away but I feel like you learn how to find a balance and kind of to give both because you need to pour into yourself as well and I feel like that wasn't always the case
0: Absolutely. And I know you were talking about how your pharmacist being a pharmacist by training was definitely part of your journey being a South Asian eldest daughter um, of your household. So tell us more about your experience becoming a pharmacist. What was your journey to becoming a pharmacist and what was kind of the influence that was involved there?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know what they say, you have to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, and (laughs) I definitely ruled out lawyer and engineer pretty early on, Um, and I definitely feel like I have, like, a passion to serve, and so healthcare did make a lot of sense, and yes, I did well in, like, math and sciences, so I found myself leaning towards pharmacy mainly because I don't like blood, so I couldn't really be a medical doctor, Um, and my parents were really supportive of that decision just because it is, you know a stable job, healthcare is always going to be really important. And going through undergrad and pharmacy school was definitely challenging because of obviously like the rigorous program. But I early on, I kind of felt like I wasn't sure um, where I would see myself after having that degree. I liked what I was learning and I found it to be really important, but I just didn't see how I could take that into the real life and real world and kind of do what I wanted to do. But I am really happy I made that decision and stuck with it. Sometimes I say I regret it, but I don't. Um, I was able to find a unique path, ultimately, that kind of combined being in healthcare and, like, my creative side. Mm -hmm. And I agree with my parents. Like, I feel like it gave me a very stable career, given that I graduated right before COVID and pharmacists were definitely in need and definitely, like, one of the only healthcare professionals in, like like in office or like working on the front lines. And so I feel like I learned so much from it and it definitely still plays a role in my career now, even as a creator, where I still work in healthcare and I feel like I'm still able to serve, but able to do more of the creative side and having that balance has been everything to me.
0: So that's first of all, incredible. Thank you so much for what you've done during the pandemic. Cause I know that was a lot. Um, But That's very interesting that you say that because I feel like a lot of people will think that doing something that you didn't necessarily care to do as much as your true passion is something you'd regret. But I think it's really interesting that you're also very grateful for that part of your journey because it's kind of made up who you are. And I think that's something that definitely is definitely that people should kind of look at and highlight because it's never too late to do what you love and care about. So that kind of leads me on to my next question, which is, why did you quit being a pharmacist and was this step equivalent to putting yourself first?
1: Yeah. Um, it's a that question, I, yes, I quit my job as a pharmacist. I still consider myself a pharmacist and I think I always will. But I think ultimately I had this goal. Um, I'm going to be completely transparent. Before I graduated, I had written down, like, I'm going to finish pharmacy school. It took me three years of undergrad and four years of grad. So it was like a big chunk of my twenties. And then i had always wanted to travel for a year. Like I fell into traveling when I was in college and this is why I don't regret pharmacy school because I was in pharmacy school. I got to travel so much because I was in school. So I had all these summer breaks. Um, And I feel like if I was, you know, quote unquote, adulting with a job, I wouldn't, I would have like measly two weeks. And so that's why one of the reasons why I don't regret going into pharmacy school. But I digress. Um, I had told myself that I would quit my job after three years of working um, to go live out my dream of traveling and kind of doing all the things that I wanted to do that I didn't get to do while I was in school. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I didn't really have internships and like do the fun things that I thought I could do. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I really wanted a year to dedicate to like me and what I wanted to do. And so I actually stumbled upon like that journal and realized that like three years would be like Three weeks from now. And so I kind of pulled the trigger to honor my dreams and felt like I was, you know, in a good spot. I had said three years because I knew that I wouldn't be early on in my career and have experience and I'd have money saved up. And so I had been saving up anyways. And so I quit just because of COVID, obviously really accelerating burnout. And then it just being a a tough like couple of years on everyone. And I had been making some money as a creator and felt like I could finally go and come back and still feel like I get a job. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I did it.
0: That sounds amazing. So at that point in your life, obviously you were saying that you were experiencing burnout being someone who was working on the front line so aggressively as well. And, you know, having all of that going on for you in your, I guess, in your heart, what was most important to you in that time? Do you think COVID like influenced what your priorities were at all during that process?
1: I definitely think so. I think I was just ready to kind of, you know, take a risk, do something different, um, kind of go outside of my comfort zone and kind of what I didn't know and take a chance on myself. I feel like pharmacy school and being a pharmacist is the only thing I've completely dedicated my life to and I'm like was disciplined to do and I kind of wanted to see if I had it in anything else um and so I also just feel like the last few years when COVID was like um you know really prominent and things were shut down I didn't get to travel and I was just itching to do that Mm -hmm. um and I just realized that life is really short and I put so much value on like success and like money and like going for, like, the white picket fence and house, mm-hmm. but what I really wanted was to travel and to feel things and to, you know, heal, and also, like, it was, like, honestly, like, a self-care journey, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, this whole thing, I feel like if you really talk to me or if people ask me about, like, the year off, was not really about the destinations I went to and, like, the bucket list checkoff of, like, seeing certain destinations, but it was more so what I experienced and how, like, I feel like I grew into my own and really did something that I said I wanted to do. Like, that's my biggest accomplishment. I was like, I said I was going to quit my job. It's the scariest decision and I did it. Um, So I definitely feel I was like influenced by COVID um, and just like seeing the shift. I feel like a lot of people felt that.
0: Definitely. And honestly, extremely courageous and inspiring because a lot of people wouldn't do that. And doing that (laughs) is remarkable to say the least. And so- Obviously, being someone who was traveling and on the self-care journey, did any of these experiences impact you in a way that encouraged you to become a creator? Or was there like any experiences in your past maybe that encouraged you to become a creator? Yeah, I guess I
1: started creating, quote unquote, before we were called the creators. Um, I think I took my first solo trip when I was 18 and I moved abroad to Spain to be an au pair, which is like a nanny, a living nanny. And I just started posting on Instagram when, like, Instagram was just like for your friends and you posted photos and they weren't like, filtered or edited or anything and had no long captions or hashtags. Like that was when I started. Mm-hmm. And I think it just originally caught wave because I was like a full-time student in the US and like traveling um, and finding ways to travel like on a budget without like, I didn't come from like a wealthy family. And so I feel like my friends started supporting me like, oh my God, that looks so fun. How are you doing that? And then it just kind of started to grow from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ultimately did like sharing my stories and like sharing what I learned because traveling like that was so new to me. Like my family had never done it. I was, none of my friends were really doing it. And so I just naturally fell into love with travel and started kind of journaling online. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of how I've always felt about being a creator is just like, it's my public journal. And I just share what I learn in case like people don't know about it, people find it interesting. And since then, it's just kind of always been like that. Um. And so that, I feel like that's what started the whole creator journey. And now I guess it's a profession. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that's so, that's so interesting that you say that because having a public diary or like a anything public is just something that is such a passion for so many people. And it's interesting how everyone is passionate about sharing something different. And I feel like if there's anything I've learned in the past five years, it's that I learned so much from social media Like, yes, TikTok's not great for news, but there's (laughs) so much more that you can, you know, learn from people and people's experiences. And I think that's, I think that's awesome, honestly.
1: Yeah. I mean, TikTok in itself, I feel like the algorithm is just, it it connects you with people who are so like-minded and it makes you feel like, it's also like healing because you find like communities, like the whole like book talk or whatever talk, like I feel like you can find what's meant for you. And I feel like it makes people not feel so alone, especially when it was like COVID and you couldn't meet people. It's It's so nice to have that online community as well, which is also what kind of led me to start my whole dose of travel club Mm -hmm. is like that community aspect. And so I'm super grateful for social media for that.
0: Absolutely. And I will say that, you know, that's kind of why I started this podcast as well, because growing up in a white predominated school with with a good amount of brown people, but most of them not really necessarily loving their culture or, you know, being excited to do brown things or even listening to Bollywood music, you know, just, Going on TikTok and realizing there's a whole group of people in this world that are just, you know, obsessed with things I'm obsessed with or, you know, really like their culture or things like that. All of that really inspired me to also start a community. So I think it's really interesting when you see communities come together, you're able to form even more communities. And I think that's that's so cool. And so if you don't mind me asking, can you tell us more about Dose of Travel Club and like how you were inspired to start all of that as well?
1: Yeah, it's a funny story because I feel like I, um, obviously I've been traveling for over 10 years and I also grew up in like a, a predominantly white area and I didn't really have a lot of like this or like Brown friends. Um, and I didn't really notice, um, That like there weren't a lot of people who look like me traveling either. Like I kind of just didn't put the things together. Like I was just like, I'm here to travel and that's all I'm here is like seeing the communities that I'm like meeting in the country that I'm at. But I wasn't looking at who the other tourists were. Um and I hopped on a trend on TikTok. I think it was something about like a finding a boyfriend or something, but I like switched it to like finding other brown girls that travel because I feel like a lot of people could relate to this. Like when I told my parents I was gonna go solo travel, they're like, Oh, but like we don't do that. Like, we don't, like, you can't, like, I don't know any other this person or people in our community have done that. Like, are you sure you should do that? And there was like no approval from them. And so I feel like I was like, wait, where are the other brown girls that do that? There has to be, like, I wanted friends. I wanted to feel like I had a community and could like, oh, how do we tell our parents? How do we deal with like the backlash? And then that went viral. And I feel like there was so much like conversation in the comments of like, oh, like I travel, or oh, I wish I could travel, but I can't. Like, this is like what's stopping me. Mm-hmm. And then people were like, I'll come with you. I'll come with you. <laughs> and I had heard this before. All my friends said they're going to come with me. And they never do. Like Classic never makes it out of group chat. Yeah. But then it kind of just like festered on and kept going. Like, people were like, oh, where are you going next? And then I kind of proposed a group trip to Bali. Um, so I hosted my first group trip to Bali and um it sold out within like two days and then I had these like 16 people coming on a trip with me and we went all the way to Bali and when I went on my first group trip I was like whoa like the impact the community the friends I've made and the experience that I had showing people this new country um it kind of just like turned into something on its own and so now I'm just taking it as it goes. I've had five trips so far and I have my first event in New York City this weekend. So it'll be like a launch event and basically a reunion for anyone who's come on a trip and lives in the New York City, like East Coast area. And I'm so excited to A, see my friends again, because now they're my friends. We went from strangers to friends. And then also to meet a lot of other people who um, may have not been able to join on a trip, but are really interested in travel and want a like-minded community.
0: That's so cool. And that's such a unique thing too. That's
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's been super fun. I just get to share my love for travel with other people who also have that same love.
0: Yeah, I I love that. So moving on to our next question, obviously, throughout this journey, you've been telling us how a lot of times the community is not the most supportive, especially when you're an independent brown woman, it becomes a little bit of a touchy topic. So how has your ethnicity or background ever subject you to imposter syndrome throughout your entire journey? Oh boy, <laughs> the deep questions. <laughs>
1: um,
0: Yeah, I really struggle with imposter
1: syndrome. Um, how has the community, I guess, impacted that? Um, You know, for a really long time, I didn't realize that it could have been that. And I'm still, I guess, I'm really grateful that I have mainly a supportive um, community. And I think my parents and my community are just maybe resistant and want to make sure that like I'm safe and they really want the best for me and they don't even know that they're doing it. So I don't like to like say that they have contributed to it like, you know, with like malintent or anything like that. But I think it is, um, I guess, being some like a first gen, I think like parents really focus on um, and community really focus on like making sure that you're set up for success financially and like, you know, you have like the support system and you get married. And I feel like I've kind of broken down those barriers and it's made me kind of hesitant to do that or question my decisions because I am going a little bit against the green. Like I'm still in my 20s and I'm not married, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like those kinds of things that come up. And I feel like it's just made me slower to react and to be proactive about decisions and to make them happen. But ultimately, I still do them. I feel like I just doubt myself quite a bit before I do it. Mm-hmm. And even when I do it, it, there's always that imposter syndrome. But I think it's quite natural um, for anyone, no yeah. matter like how you grew up or what um, community you grew up in. It's just kind of natural to feel a little bit scared and to doubt yourself when you're doing something new. Um, but it's something you just kind of have to like accept and go with it anyways. Um, but yeah, I can definitely see how how you grow up with people and who you hang out with can you know, impact how you feel and view yourself.
0: Definitely. And I also want to highlight that a lot of times people are just looking out for you, but it doesn't come out right, especially in the South Asian community. And I feel like sometimes it's hidden with sexism sometimes it's hidden with racism sometimes it's hidden with you know something else and it just it's just scary to face it head on because it's really hard to always look at the person and give them a benefit of the doubt and just think that you know they're looking out for the best but at the end of the day you know what's best for you and you also are gonna have your own journey you're gonna have your own experiences and you're gonna have your own struggles i feel like a lot of people go through imposter syndrome in almost every aspect of their life I know I have and it's it's just something that's kind of unavoidable and I feel like the best way to cope with it is just to recognize you're going through it and just kind of be there for yourself and I think your journey that you were talking about going on you know a travel trip and kind of taking on that self-care mindset is definitely something that people could also do in their own way and I feel like yeah sure Yeah. And so that kind of adds on to the next question. We're talking about your travel company and we're talking about how there's a lack of diversity as well within small, such small aspects when you think about them retrospectively, but I totally see what you're saying now. What are your thoughts on the importance of representation and what does that mean for mental health in your perspective or your experience?
1: Yeah. um, I think just seeing how this group trip company has like, come to be i've noticed that nearly 99 of um people who come are south asian and i've seen it because i've been on group trips myself i've been obviously i've traveled alone i've like traveled with people i've met while on the road and then i've been on group trips where i'm the only south asian but the trips where we're all have something in common and like the same ethnicity or background or religion or culture is like is so much more different and everyone that like works with me on these trips like whether it's the guide or um you know like the restaurant that we're eating at or the hotel think we're all best friends and have been best friends for like years um but in reality nearly everyone that comes on a trip is coming alone and doesn't know anyone coming in and so I think that just goes to show how much um like that aspect of, like, having something to bond over, whether it is, like, bonding over, like, maybe generational trauma or bonding over, like, something that is maybe even, like, negative to, like, the culture um, or bonding over, like, playing Bollywood music or, like, whatever, mm-hmm. I think has really shown me how important it is to have that representation because not only does it make you feel like it's safe, um, given, like, obviously we can be exposed, um, different communities can be exposed to, like, racism or just, like, um, nasty comments or not feeling safe or stereotypes, um, to have a group of it, um, kind of helps combat that. Like, for example, my trip to Greece, there were two girls who came on a trip and they came a day early and they went off onto the streets of Greece by themselves and they felt like they were getting dirty looks. They were not being treated nicely. Mm -hmm. And, um, there was nobody else that looked like them on the streets. But then um, they said that after when they spent the week with us, they didn't have that same feeling like no one was looking at them but because they were maybe in a group. Mm-hmm. So it just feels like there's so much more safety and that you feel like um, there's someone who can be in your corner given that, like, you know, we all might have been exposed to that and know what it feels like. And so that's why I think representation matters, but also to have representation in media. If you see like, I don't know, um, like a Muslim girl traveling to certain places, then like you can feel like it's safe. You want to go there. Um, Like, I feel like we all appreciate the representation in like movies and like films and things that are going on and we're so supportive of it. Um, And then in terms of, yeah, I think that goes in hand with mental health, like feeling safe and feeling like you're going to go for a good time and you can have a good time because you know who's going to be there um, and how you'll be treated. It really goes a long way.
0: Yeah. I, I could not have probably said that better. I feel like representation is just such a vital part to feeling comfortable and feeling safe. And it's not like, it's not, it's more than just being friends with people of the same ethnicity it's just being able to feel safe with other individuals who are like-minded or have had similar experiences so mm-hmm. I definitely understand where you're coming from there and I can't I would like I'm kind of excited to you know go on trips in the future and I would love to have a trip where I'm with a bunch of other South Asian individuals so if anyone's listening in you may want to you may want to check out Dose of Travel Club because I know I may too um, <laughs> um our next trip
1: is to Bali in July. Really? Just a
0: little- oh my gosh that's incredible okay well that that's just honestly that's just so inspiring to just think about that we have such interesting communities that are already forming so I'm already excited
1: no love it I mean I love your community too you're definitely doing a great thing too by highlighting these stories and getting the dialogue going
0: thank you and so moving on to our last question, which is more of a general question, but for any of the other listeners listening in who are considering to pivot career paths, what advice do you have for them?
1: Oof, okay. I know what it's like. It's definitely really scary to consider that pivot. Um, I would say just if if you're considering wanting to pivot make that decision and go for it like don't let yourself convince you like don't let the imposter syndrome tell you otherwise i feel like i've pivoted three times since i graduated only four years ago and once you do it it could be like the scariest thing and it seems really impossible don't listen to the naysayers don't don't like don't essentially, like, put yourself down and from the running from it. Like, I feel like most times we kind of stand in our own way, saying, oh, I don't have the degree to make that pivot. I don't have that experience. I don't have that industry knowledge. Everything is available online, and there's so many other people who have done it. Lean into it. If you're using social media, you'll find the other people who have done it. Ask them. Like, I think we live in a... Um, Honestly, a society in a time where, like, it doesn't even matter what your degree is and what you went to school for, um, mm-hmm. I'm like proof of it. And so, just don't allow yourself to stand in the way and don't let anyone else tell you no.
0: I think that's, I could not, I could not beat that. <laughs> that was honestly, yeah, that's everything I think anyone would need to hear, especially when you're afraid because you don't want to be a disappointment or you don't want to feel like, you know, it's just important to take it head on. and. I definitely admire you. And I think a lot of our listeners definitely admire you for doing what you do. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on. This has been such an interesting conversation. I loved speaking with you. And to all of our listeners listening in, thank you guys so much for listening in. Uh, You guys know what I always say. Make sure to eat food, drink water, and take care of yourself because you deserve it. I hope you guys have an amazing day. And once again, thank you so much for coming on.